Hello, how are we all doing? Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're feeling okay about apparently down in England, COVID is basically over this week, according to everything seeming to be lifting. So feels like a strange time on one hand, feels like, I'm not going to say the end of an era because that is just tempting fate, isn't it? But I don't know. I've been having a few chats with people be like, how do you feel about it? And it's obviously very mixed. Some people are worried. Some people are like, now it's time. And really, I don't know if things are going to feel super different for me. Um, I've still like been working at the gym. It's not like I'm suddenly going from working from home to going into the gym. I haven't been doing heaps of stuff. Like I haven't done like much like travel or that kind of thing. I've been to a few gigs that require me to have a COVID pass and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, apart from obviously going to the shop, wearing a mask and things. Yeah, I don't think much is going to change for me. So as much as it feels like it's what everyone's talking about this week, I think when it comes to it, I'm not going to notice or feel too much of a difference. But anyway, I'm recording this on a Monday. And a Monday for me is a client check-in day. So all my clients submit a form for me over the weekend tell me how their week's been, how they've got on, what their week ahead of them is looking like, any challenges, whether they've hit their targets, why they perhaps haven't hit their targets and we kind of make adjustments and a plan for the week going forward from there depending on how they're doing. So my podcast this week was kind of inspired to a few of the conversations that I had in this check-in with these clients and a little bit about conversations I had with other PTs that I was with in a kind of like coaching capacity um, over the weekend. I was at like a date with my business mentor surrounded by lots of other PTs kind of discussing our methods, our approaches and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, that's kind of what what sparked this, this topic today. So for a while, or... I feel like as long as I've been in the fitness sphere, tracking calories has been the kind of like go-to method of dieting for a lot of people recently. And I'm not sure if this is as well like a generational thing. Like I think it was very much like an Instagram thing. Um, It's like what all the influencers were doing, like fitness influencers. Um, Perhaps like in people of another generation, it would have been things that are more just like Slimming World or Weight Watchers or other kind of methods of dieting. But I know for my generation, a lot of the clients that I work with who are of a similar age to me, in the past, they have done things such as as tracking calories. So tracking calories or using MyFitnessPal, it's often termed as flexible dieting in that there aren't any specific rules as such apart from hitting your kind of calorie targets or protein targets, so certain numerical targets. It's not like, for example, keto, when you only eat like high fat foods and you completely cut out carbohydrates. Um, There's no specific like rules and that's why it it is more flexible, but obviously (laughs) it's only flexible to a certain extent. I often get new clients or people who don't have as much of an awareness around food and protein and calories and the nutritional value of food to track on MyFitnessPal when they first start with me. The reason being is to use it as more of an educational tool because no matter what strategy we take to 
elicit fat loss. Fat loss only happens in one one way, and that is that we are in, in an energy deficit. So we are expending more energy than we are taking in. So burning off more energy through things like movement than we are consuming via food. That is that is the only way the human body can physiologically lose body fat. Like that is what all these dieting methods come down to. Like whether you track calories or not, if you lose body fat, it's because whatever diet or protocol you've been following has put you into a calorie deficit. So for some people, tracking calories can be so eye-opening, especially if they have had prior beliefs around food or follow really rigid rules where they've cut out entire food groups, where they don't eat sugar or they don't eat bread. They actually realize that they can have those things every single day of their life and still lose body fat. So for some people, it's really eye-opening and a really positive way to educate them on what is actually in the food that they eat and therefore they can make more informed choices from that point. And I think the people who could benefit the most from tracking, at least for an initial period, is people who know very little about nutrition. Other people going on from that who could also benefit from tracking are people who genuinely have a really good relationship with food and they're just using it more as a method of to stay accountable and to help them make more, again, informed choices around their food. So when I say people with a good relationship with food, I mean, if they went over on their calories that day, they felt no sense of guilt or shame, or if they actively tried to avoid tracking a certain food because it made them feel feelings of guilt and shame, if they felt completely neutral to what these numbers say on the app, and it was more just the case of that's just something I do, then I don't think there's anything particularly harmful about that. And I think it's absolutely fine. And I have a few clients who have been tracking for a long time. And I have openly had a conversation with them many times saying, do you think this is still serving you? Do you think tracking is the right thing for you? And they said, yeah, I don't I don't really care if one day I'm over. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't make me feel anything. I just know that it keeps me really on it through the week. And these tend to be people who are, really quite busy actually. It tends to people who are quite busy and have quite high pressure jobs and it's one less thing they have to think about in terms of, oh, what have I ate? They're just putting in that. They know they're on track. It holds them accountable. They're more likely to grab food on the go. So they might have a really varied diet. You know, if you eat the same thing every day, there's not much point in tracking it because it's going to say the same things every day. But when you're having different foods a lot of the time, that's when it can be useful because that's when it is easier to, you know, if you're having something that you've grabbed out of pret, that it could push you over even though you think it's a salad and things like that. So those are the kind of people who, as a coach, I would support tracking, whether they're new to nutrition and don't know much about it or where they have a really positive relationship with food and are using it more as a method of accountability or keeping them on the right track when they have a really varied diet. What what I see a lot of more now on social media and absolutely something I do try to encourage with my clients, whether they are going into a fat loss phase or, or not, they're just here for health or they're here to build muscle and maintain, is introducing more intuitive eating practices and I don't mean intuitive eating I mean eating more intuitively (laughs) the reason being so I think this is thrown 
thrown around a lot as well is the principle of intuitive eating. And what a lot of people think that is on the surface is just having what you feel like. What they don't know is intuitive eating is actually like a specific um, mechanism and program that has specific steps and guidelines that is used by practitioners to help with people with you know disordered eating habits and things like that. It is a structured intervention, intuitive eating. You know, it's capital I, capital E. It's a thing, you could say. And there's a lot of people there who are huge advocates for this intervention of intuitive eating. And let me go through what it is and why I don't, I feel as someone who is in a place where they would lose body weight for health. So if you are in a larger body and it might be that losing some body fat will improve your health, this perhaps isn't going to get you to that stage. So Intuitive Eating is essentially a book from two women, AAA and Resh, and it came out in 1995. And they identified 10 core principles of what intuitive eating is. And I'm going to go through them now. So one, honour your hunger. Two, feel fullness. Three, reject diet mentality. Four, challenge food police. Five, make peace with food. Six, discover satisfaction. Seven, honour your feelings. Eight, respect your body. Nine, daily movement, coming from a place of nourishment, not punishment. And 10, honour your health. So with those principles, the chances are if you're trying to lose body fat, you're going to have to go against these. When you're in a fat loss phase, you aren't honouring hunger because you're in a deficit. And when you're in a deficit, you are going to feel hungry. It's inevitable at times. The chances are, if you're someone who resistance trains, which I am a huge advocate of, obviously, or do exercise that's even slightly vigorous, you're kind of, you're not in line with the daily movement from a place of nourishment. It's about gentle movement, not strenuous movement. So you're not aligned to that principle if you are doing any exercise that's really kind of pushing your body to that place. However, things that I think we can take from this is, of course, rejecting your di- rejecting diet mentality. So by that, I mean more diet culture things. So really aligning yourself with if you are in a place where you want to lose body fat, is it truly aligned with your values and what you want and not always just what society thinks you need? Making peace with food and food neutrality is going to be a huge one in terms of dieting and maintaining a positive relationship with food. So, you know, having complete unconditional permission to eat any type of food there is, not viewing foods as good and bad, just viewing all food as completely neutral. Honouring your feelings is a huge one as well. It's in terms of moving away from eating foods just to numb or distract or make you feel better, like numb bad emotions or, or negative emotions not using that as a coping mechanism. So honouring these feelings, allowing yourself to feel these feelings and not trying to distract them with food. Respecting your body, obviously, everyone should be doing that regardless of what where we are in our life. And honouring your health as well is a huge one because ultimately the chances are if you're going into a fat loss phase, unless again you're at a place of higher BMI and it's for your health that would maybe positive to lose body fat 
dieting is not honoring your health because ultimately you aren't going to get all the all the nutrients that you need in your diet whilst maintaining some level of balance I mean, yes, you could get them all, but it would probably mean completely eradicating some of the foods that you really love that don't require as, don't have as much nutrients in it. And therefore that may then negatively impact mental health, emotional health, the relationship with food. So honoring your health as much as you can, but that also includes your mental health as well. So what often happens though is with clients and I... And they're asking the reason why they still track or the reason they may be opposed or nervous about not using my fitness pal to track their eating is that they'll say, you know, if I don't track it, I know I'll overeat. And I, I just don't trust myself. And this is already, you're kind of talking that into happening, really, aren't you? If you genuinely believe that if you don't use a little app on your phone to track something that you've eaten, like that's a trigger for you to overeat, like you're going to overeat, you're talking these things into existence, you're making this habit a reality before you've even done it. So in this instance, if that's truly how you feel, I really need you to challenge that, like what tells you that that has happened in the past? Yes, perhaps there has been a day where you didn't track and you massively overate, Perhaps that was because you knew that the day after you were going to have to track again and you felt the need to eat what you could on this day where everything was quote unquote free. But what happens when the day after you don't track and the day after that you don't track and the day after that you don't track and the day after that you don't track? Ultimately, yes, it could be that there's a few days at first where you feel a bit whoo and you eat more than you would, but you've got the rest of your life against you and that sense of urgency will, will absolutely dissipate. So what we can take away from these more kind of intuitive eating guidelines to eat, be a person who eats a bit more intuitively, so not necessarily through this intervention, but includes more intuitive practices within their nutritional habits, is just including a bit more mindful eating practices. So eating in response, in response to hunger, noticing your hunger, noticing your fullness, and noticing taste and satisfaction. So noticing hunger, what I would do and what I get my clients to do is use things like the hunger scale. So ask yourself, one out of 10 is I'm absolutely starving and ultimately the best thing for you to have at that point would be an actual meal. 10 out of 10 would be I'm so full of eating anything else, I'm sick. So when you feel like you are hungry or you notice that there might be signs of hunger, it's asking yourself, where do I lie on the hunger scale? And if it's maybe like a seven or an eight, perhaps you can wait an hour before you eat again. You know, say it's okay, I'm, I guess I'm maybe starting to get slightly more peckish, but I think I've got time before I need to eat again. If it's maybe like a three or a four, you can kind of say to yourself, look, I know if I let myself get any hungrier beyond this point, that's when I'm gonna start making silly decisions with food because I'm gonna be really hungry. Maybe it's sensible that if my meal's not for another while, I have a small snack now just to tide me through. So just being more in tune of where you are on that scale and feeling into your body. And the same with noticing fullness as well. Stopping halfway through a meal and asking yourself that question again. If that's getting up to a number nine, perhaps it's time to just leave it there and stop and say, actually, if I have any more, it's gonna make me feel unwell. Before eating, asking yourself as well, am I hungry for this? 
Like, am I actually physically hungry for this? Or am I just actually maybe thirsty? Or am I just bored? Or am I feeling a little bit emotional? I need this to kind of fill some void or make me feel better in this moment. Is this food actually what's gonna serve me best just now? And all these are just kind of taking that little moment before you decide to eat, to actually listen to what your body really does want and not just going off the first kind of habitual thing, which is to grab food. Being present while you're eating, so no distractions, TV off, phone down. When you're speaking to a partner, if you haven't dinner with them, put down your cut, cutlery when you are speaking so you have that moment's pause and you have to pick it up again. Before, noticing taste and satisfaction, I didn't go through that. So using all your senses, smell, texture, how does the food feel in your mouth? How does it taste? This will naturally, A, make you slow down and B, allow you to kind of feel that feelings of satisfaction and fullness before getting to that point where you are overeating. And also within mindful eating, of course, is that judgment thing that we spoke about before. So having complete food neutrality, avoiding food rules. One of the main things is when you're eating, the last thing you should be thinking is how is this going to impact my body? I mean, obviously, if you're eating like a green juice or something, you might be thinking, this makes me feel really nourished and I'm giving my body what it needs. But, you know, in some worlds, when you're having a donut, it's making you feel nourished and giving your body what it needs. But what you don't want to be thinking is, oh my God, this is making me feel quote unquote fat. So those, no matter if you're dieting or if for every single human being on the planet, those are all guidelines and habits that is useful to get into that perhaps not necessarily will support fat losses. Well, it will support it will support fat loss when fat loss is your goal. But what it will support is a lack of regularly overeating or emotional eating. It's almost like a, a barrier to, I don't want to say gaining weight because I don't think that's really what I mean. But having more positive nutritional habits that are going to overall be more beneficial for your for your general health. And of course, when you're dieting. So some other things. So when I have a client who comes to me and, or we're moving away from tracking, they've tried it before and perhaps are very self-aware because self-awareness is another huge one as well, that there may be feelings arising around having certain calorie targets that makes them feel a little bit uneasy. Perhaps they are noticing feelings of guilt. And this, this does happen, but it's up to you to be self-aware enough and open enough with yourself and with your coach who is with you that these kind of feelings and thoughts are arising. Like, did you notice that because you ate that thing for breakfast, you over-restricted yourself later in the day because you were feeling guilty? That's a bit of a red flag and you need to be aware of that. So some other methods that I will ask them what they feel feels right for them are ways that we can tackle a fat loss phase without specifically having to look at the numbers on my fitness pal every single day. And the key to a good diet and one that you will stick to in a fat loss phase is the one that feels the least restrictive for you. Because we all know the more restricted we are, the more likely things are going to go in the complete opposite direction and you're more likely to overeat. What we resist persists. So, other kind of ways of going about this are having lower and higher food volume or food quantity days through the week. 
So for example, maybe there's two days a week that you're at work, that it's really busy and you don't actually have much time to think about food. So on those days, let's say it's like a Monday and a Wednesday or something, you have, you don't have any snacks, you just have three main meals and into those main meals, the majority is coming from, obviously you've got your protein source and you've got plenty of veggies. So you don't have as many kind of higher fat foods or not that there's anything wrong with high fat foods, especially polyunsaturated fats and carbohydrates and you just have more veggies to give it a bit more food volume. And on those two lower days, perhaps you'll have, you'll just be in a bigger deficit on those days. So if we were to put numbers on it, for example, say your normal deficit is 1700 a day. On these days, you maybe only have 1200. For some people, this will feel absolutely fine because on those days, they're not thinking about food anyway. And it's easy to have those two lower days. And then by the end of the week, they're an extra thousand calories kind of into their deficit which is fine, which progresses with their fat loss. For other people, restricting on those days may feel too restrictive and therefore would be likely to overlap into the next day when they feel they need to overeat. So if that was something that you felt you were doing, then that's not the option for you. For some people, it might be. Similar with having eating windows, commonly obviously known as intermittent fasting. And it could be that your eating window could be seven in the morning, till seven at night and all that means is after your dinner you don't have any snacks so you're not mindlessly snacking in the evening of course you know you have complete unconditional permission to eat whatever you want in the evening if you really genuinely feel you need something but it's up to you to make that decision of no that's not going to serve me right now so having an eating window and as I said that's not because eating after 7pm is a bad thing or it's going to cause you to not lose weight. It's just that by the end of the day, you've eaten less calories because you're less likely to have, you know, open a share bag of crisps with your partner while you're watching TV on a Wednesday night. In meals, swapping out, and I'm going to have to say another disclaimer after this one, swapping out your carb sources for veggies in one meal a day, two meals a day, maybe two meals a day, a couple times a week, and then just once a day, every other day of the week. Not because carbs are evil, but because they're the most kind of dispensable food source that we have, especially as women. I would never promote any of my female clients to go on like a low fat diet, because as women, it's important for us to have decent amounts of dietary fat to maintain hormone regulation. It's also important for us to have protein to help support our muscles, our bones, our skin, nails, hair, all that kind of thing, especially when you're resistance training. The only one that kind of we can really do without as much as they're delicious is carbohydrates. And I would never cut them out completely. Like that makes me feel incredibly sad. However, what you can do is instead of having that bit of rice, Um, that you would usually have with, you know, a homemade curry or whatever in a midweek. Perhaps you have literally like cauliflower or rice for that or you just swap that for some some chopped veggies, some roasted veggies, something that you can like whack in the microwave from like a pre-packed thing and just have alongside it. So you're still, you've still got a really big plate of food and it's still a lot of food volume and you feel full after your meal. But 
the calorie content is literally less and therefore will help push you into more of a deficit without feeling like you've had a really small, puny, pathetic meal. Another option is just really sticking to set meal structures and in those meals with a focus on nutrition inclusion instead of exclusion. So, okay, I'm going to stick to three main meals a day and just one afternoon snack, late afternoon snack, kind of on my way home from work before I go to the gym at 5.30. So in your breakfast, lunch and dinner, you're including an amazing source of protein. You're including a variety of fruit and veggies. You're including whole grain carb sources. You've got fiber in there. You're including something that you really enjoy the taste of. So in these meals, making them nutritious, nutritionally dense and satisfying and your snack in the afternoon, could it be a piece of fruit and like a protein bar because that's going to help set you up well for your, your session at the gym if you're going to a gym or have something, maybe one day a week it is a Snickers bar and that's fine but that's kind of your snack for the day. You have a really big satisfying dinner with plenty of veggies, with plenty of fiber, with plenty of protein in there and then that's you for the day. In the evening perhaps you maybe just have like a herbal tea or something and a bath in bed. So sticking to set meal structures is a positive one as well to get you into the routine of things. Again, what we want to avoid is if that feels restrictive is not suddenly being like, okay, it's my lunch. Okay, I'm going to try and cram three of these dairy milk bars as just part of my lunch and I'm going to have a takeaway and I'm going to have It doesn't work like that. And realistically, if after all these things I've said, you still are like, no, that would feel restrictive for me. No, that would feel restrictive for me. Here is your sign that you should not be trying to lose fat at the moment. Dieting is not a priority for you. It's going to worsen your health, your mental health and your physical health, to be honest. Um. And it's not the answer. If after all these things I've said, you're like, oh, all these things still feel super restrictive. What you need to focus on is mindful eating. You need to work work on keeping good food neutrality. Dieting should absolutely not be your priority at the moment. And it's a hard pill to swallow when you've been chasing dieting all your life. But why hasn't it worked for you before? Because you have a pretty poor relationship with food and that's never been your priority. So if you don't prioritize that, what's going to change? spoiler, the answer is nothing. That's what needs to change before you even think about attempting to lose body fat again. So I hope that was useful, an insight into intuitive eating versus eating intuitively. When tracking can be positive and who it is useful for, having a focus on mindful eating so we can improve our relationship with our foods and be a bit more in touch with ourselves, our inner selves, and other methods of dieting, such as having low and, low and higher days, eating windows, swapping out for higher veggies instead of carb sources, sticking to more specific meal times and meal structures, and instead of focusing on excluding things from your diet, focus on including the good nutritious things. So I hope that was useful. If you need any advice, any pointers after this um, little chat, then you know where I am on Instagram, 
Josephine Christie underscore. I would love to hear from you and let me know how you find and know how you find the podcast, whether it's useful. Um, but otherwise, I will catch you guys in the next one. And yeah, it's been fun.